0: Awesome job on that one all right Yeah. all right we are picking back up tonight where we left off we're gonna do some reviews though um all right thanksgiving boom there we go book of ruth we started this last week i know a lot of you weren't here uh, for whatever reason so uh this week we're gonna i'm i feel like i'm a tiny bit loud um uh, miss jim if you could turn me down just a little bit number one is what should be, all right. That's, yeah, much better. All right, good deal. We're gonna be in the book of Ruth. If you're at your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Digital Bibles are fine. Just make sure that you are uh, on the Bible app. If you would, don't flip back and forth. I know how easy it is. So if you can't control it, then uh, don't. Uh, don't try right now, right? Now is not a good time to practice not being distracted. Uh, but if you have anything in your hands that's not a Bible, go ahead and put it underneath your seat. You don't need it for the next few minutes here. But I am so excited about uh, this series. I hope that you are too. The Book of Ruth is a great book that really gives us a picture of who Jesus is and and what he does for us and the principle of the kinsman redeemer that we're going to get to later on in the story. But uh, to start out, we're going to review a little bit and then I'm going to give you a little bit more insight to this, uh, this family, this story, and really the foundation of it. Because if you don't get the beginnings of it, Right? How do you uh, how do you get further on and really understand uh, everything? So if you recall, this takes place in the closing days of the judges. And remember, we named judges last week. We named Gideon. Remember Deborah. Uh, Samson was also a judge. And uh, these were dark days in Israel. Right? There was the Bible says in the book of Judges that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And you can imagine how that went. Right? Uh, human beings, we have something that's called original uh, sin, and that's Adam and Eve, and that sin gets passed on uh, to person after person, and all of us have what we call a sin condition, every single one of us are cursed with it Good one, there you go, happy wife happy life, she's a good one I don't, it doesn't apply, but whatever, alright you like serving me, that's what it was, okay yeah. so, uh, so, dark days in Israel, and uh, so we picked up in Ruth chapter 1 Verse number one, and if you're there, go ahead and say amen. Let me know what you're there. Amen. amen. All right, Ruth one, verse number one. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. So you have, you remember who we had? Elimelech and his wife. What was her name? Naomi. Naomi, good. And if you, anybody remember one of their son's names Malon. you're close you're close yes chileon Chilion and malon. oh you it's malon but you're close I, I didn't hear how you said it malon, all right good old daniel you're the best all right so you had the naomi malon and Chilion, and there's a famine in their hometown their home country which means that there's no food, there's no way to get food, um, and their, their livelihoods are gone. And so Elimelech, the, the patriarch of the family, the father of the family says, let's pack up everything and let's move. We're going to move to Moab. And so they hike through the Jericho Pass, through the Judean wilderness, and they cross the Jordan, and the Bible says, into a, a country called Moab. Now remember the promise we talked about this briefly last week, but the promise that God made to Israel, that as long as they did what, they would always have food, they would always have plenty, as long as they did what? Does anybody remember Deuteronomy 11? The Bible says, as long as they worshipped the Lord and Him alone, God would always take care of Israel. And so we know that the famine was in Israel because they had stopped serving the Lord and him alone. And so, uh, so that, that's why the famine was there. So he promised them that they would be his people and he would be their God. And this is the, remember the promised land is a land that was foretold to Israel from time past. All the way back on Sunday morning, we talked about uh, Abraham, <clears throat> excuse me, in children's church with the young, with the young uh, pups. And so we talked about Abraham and how Israel goes all the way back to him. God gave Abraham a promise that he's going to give him, that his people and his family is going to be as the sand of the sea, right? And they're going to be God's people, and he will be their God, right? And so that's the land that uh, Elimelech and Naomi were living in, the promised land. Who started the promised land, right? Okay, good. And so uh, they left the promised land, to go to Moab, which we know from history was a wicked land, and this move was not easy on the family. Remember, they're they're escaping the famine. They thought to go to this land called Moab, where there was supposed to be plenty of food, plenty of work, and all this. And now, when they get to Moab, nothing good happens to the family. Right? Uh, Elimelech dies. The Bible says. Malon and Chilion take uh, wives, they get married, now the sons get married, but soon Melon and Chilion die as well. And so now you have, um, uh, and so we, we don't have anything in scripture that says that they died because they moved to Moab, right? Elimelech, Malon and Chilion didn't die because they moved to Moab. They left the, the promised land that God had given them. We don't have anything from the Bible that says that. Okay, but it certainly didn't help the situation, right? (laughs) Moving away from Bethlehem, Judah, from the the promised land, from their home country, didn't solve their problems. In fact, it got worse, right? Like they died. Literally half the family died, right? So um, uh, we talked about the myth that uh, newlyweds believe that their problems will be solved uh, by getting married, right? This is never the case. And so going to uh, Moab didn't fix Elimelech's family's problems. They carried them to Moab. Now, Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth are all childless widows. Now, in, in olden times, now, there were no social safety nets, no welfare to take care of. Uh, these childless widows, right? These women who uh, lost their husbands. Now they're in, in a foreign land in Moab. They have no income. They have no uh, children to, uh, to, uh, to help bring in money, right? And Back in these days, children started working early on. And so the only options that they really had was to rely on the generosity of strangers. The Bible says in Ruth 1, 7 and 8, the Bible says, Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return into the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house, O Lord, deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead." And with me. So Naomi hears through the grapevine that the famine was over back in Judah sometime later. The famine's over back in Judah and she decides to return and to see what is happening. So they were far off in a distant country away from home, chasing what they thought would be greener pastures. Right. Instead, they found death and sorrow. Right. But But look at her actions she she remembers and she hears that hey the famine is going to be is over back in Israel they were kind of like a shining light saying like come on home right Israel was was always welcoming back with open arms and uh, we should be a kind of a lighthouse like that as well for those who are far from God we should be enticing Right and and uh, you know the uh, the principle of a lighthouse or the reason why they exist right is to um, warn sailors of uh, of uh, of of the shore right and so they see the light and they go kind of really you want to go away from the light because if you're getting closer to the light you're gonna go up uh, in the rocks onto the shore you'll you'll wreck your boat and all those things right so but as a lighthouse we should be uh, one we should warn others of the dangers. Of being away from God, and then also we should uh, we should be a, a welcome light to see. Hey, you're kind of you're getting close to home, right? This is where home is. We should be our, our lives should be attractive. People should enjoy being around us, and especially those who are far from God. We should be kind to them, right? There's a, a stereotype that uh, that Christians have, and it's so unfortunate. Guys, help me out, please. Don't mess with stuff like that. There's a stereotype that Christians have, and it's unfortunate, but it's that they are uh, uh, judgmental. They're hypocrites, right? You've heard this before. All Christians are this way, people would say, and it's a shame that people would think that about children of God, that we would be judgmental of those who are far from God. Our lives should be attractive, and people should want to hang out with us and be around us. That should be a goal that you have, and not that popularity, our fame is our goal, but it's that we should be kind. Others should, should see our life and want to leave their old ways behind and follow Jesus too. There's nothing worse than a Christian who has an ugly spirit. We should radiate the love of God to those who are around us. Maybe you're like Naomi and, 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 and her family, and maybe you've made choices that you thought would improve your life and it didn't. Maybe you made choices to drop a class or pick up a class, or uh, maybe you made choices to uh, try to be friends with a certain group of people or or a certain person, and it backfired in your life, but you thought you knew what was best. Or maybe even you made a choice, you decided that uh, alcohol was okay, or that uh, making bad choices with uh, someone of the opposite gender was okay, but you got on the other side of that decision, and you realized that it was wrong. Right? God is never far away. So, yes, the choices that we make will have consequences. And we will make bad choices. All of us will mess up at some point in our lives. Every single one of us will. And we shouldn't, you know, uh, we shouldn't ride that shame and we shouldn't, uh, you know, hold on to that grudge uh, that when somebody hurt us or we shouldn't hold on to the feelings of guilt we should give those over to god but god is never far away saying that there is nothing that you can do that god will not forgive there's nothing every sin that you can think of god says i have a plan for that every sin that's murder that's thievery that's fornication whatever it might be god has a plan to forgive that and that plan was fulfilled when jesus died on the cross you can always come back to god so naomi hears that god is with judah and she decides to return now when she gets there she gives orpah and ruth and out she tells them you can go back home to your families remember you are um uh remember the young they don't have kids." can you wait one second yeah okay hold on to it though i want to answer right Um, they're young, they don't have children, they don't have ties um, to to really anything. They can go back home and start all over again, right? So Naomi tells Orpah and Ruth, go ahead and return home to your families. Thank you for being good to me. That's what Naomi tells Orpah and Ruth. Both of the girls were determined to stay with Naomi, but Naomi wouldn't have it. She says to them, "Is, is there any sons in in my womb that could be your husband there's a a law we talked about last week there's a law in Israel in Hebrew law that says if a a woman uh, if her husband passes uh, young and she doesn't have any sons then she would basically marry um, her brother-in-law and he would kind of take over give her a son whatever it might be and it was a way to make sure that widows were taken care of childless widows were taken care of right and so, um, but Naomi says, I have no other sons. What are you going to do? Am I going to get married again and then have more kids and you wait 20 years so they're grown and can give you kids, right? she So she says, No, go home to your families. And so uh, Orpah says, Okay, I understand what you're saying. It, it saddens uh, Orpah, but she says, I uh, will go home. And Ruth says, I, I'm staying with you. There's nothing you can do. To talk me out of it. She says, I'm gonna, I will be by your side no matter what. And she kind of ends this passage of, of uh, Rome, uh, Ruth 1 one through 13 in, by kind of giving her response. She ends by saying that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. She understood that because they were disobedient and because they left the promised land, nothing good happened. But she reacted in a good way. She didn't accuse God of wrongdoing. She never, in the end, all of those bad things happened. Her husband died. Her two sons died. All of her, uh, all of her family was dead except for her daughters-in-law. And so uh, she, she could have, there's an argument to be made for her to say, I'm mad at God for the lot that I have now in life. I think it's reasonable for her to say why would this happen to me all we were trying to do was find food for our family that's all that we were trying to do trying to find a better life and so we we left but she knew that she disobeyed god and there had to be consequences for it and she never accused god of wrongdoing she placed the blame where it belonged and that was with her this is an epidemic." In our, uh, in our lives, in, 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 uh, in young people in particular, myself included, is that we never want to take the blame for wrongdoing. We like it when it's somebody else's fault, and we can blame it on them. Anybody else with me on that one? When something bad happens and it's not my fault, I'm quick, I'm quick to say, hey, it's somebody else. They did it, right? And uh, I had nothing to do with it and i've snitched in a heartbeat all right i got no problem with that if i didn't do anything wrong i will i will raise my hand and say they did it no i'm not getting in trouble for something i didn't do right and we love to do that that's easy for us to do as people as as human beings right And you know obviously not for every little thing you know what i mean like i have a three-year-old and she's learning how to snitch she's learning how to be a tattletale you know what I mean, and from her cousins in particular, and, and all, of, all of her little friends her age, and uh, they're they're bad, but it's all kids. All kids are tattletales, and they do that. But there's one thing that I learned young is that I do enough bad myself that I get in trouble for it. I'm not taking anybody else's, too, okay? Uh, I'll get in trouble for what I do, not what somebody else does. And so she placed the blame where it belonged. She knew that it was their choice to leave the promised land why all those bad things happen. The Bible says that a foolish man, a foolish man puts the blame where it doesn't belong. Secondly, she didn't go further from God. When she was in Moab and her whole family was dead, except for her father, her sons, excuse me, her daughter's in-law. When her whole family was dead, she had a, a, a choice to make. She could have said, well, look, what happened when i tried to do what's best for me god wasn't with me god in fact he his hand was against me she says and so in that moment she could have chosen to get mad and she could have said i don't want anything to do with that God. and look look what he has done to me and so but she didn't say that instead she said i'm going to go back to god i'm going to make it right with god this is a mistake that is so easy to make is that when Bad things happen because of choices that we've made, repercussions that we have made. How easy is it when we do something wrong? Say, for example, not saying anybody in here would do this, but for example, you cheat on a test at school. You get caught, then you get home and you get in trouble there as well. And they say, you're grounded, go to your room, you're not getting out. I was grounded like most of my childhood, right? And But there was really one time where uh, my parents like stuck to their word. They said, you're grounded for two weeks. It was a summertime, and they said, You're staying in your room for two weeks. You're eating down here, you go back up to your room. And I remember I was like nine or ten years old, and I stayed in my room. I tried to come out. Don't believe me, all right? I waited until I thought they forgot, and I came out, and but they remember, they never forgot. And for two long weeks I stayed in my room. How easy would it have been for me to say, I don't like my parents? But it was me that made the mistake, wasn't it? Yeah. It was I was just being punished. That's all it was. I was. <laughs> Naomi said, Naomi could have said, look what God has done to me. I want nothing to do with that God. But instead of that, she said, uh, look what God has done to me. Look at the, the repercussions for my sin, for the choices that I made. And she says, I'm going to make it right with God. That should be our choice. God is loving. All God wants is for reconciliation. All he wants is for you to come back and say, I love you, thank you for forgiving me. And number three, she realized that God always comes through. In the end, no matter what, despite the choices that we make, the Bible says, Romans eight twenty eight. we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. If you love God, God always comes through. And yeah, we're bad at love, right? We don't understand sometimes what it is to really love God like we're supposed to. But in the end, he always comes through and thank God for that. You know, this story is interesting because there's points where we should not be like Naomi and Elimelech and all of them, the choices that they made. However, Naomi, I want to emphasize, yes, she made bad choices, but she recognized in the end that it was her fault and that God loves her and wanted her to come back home. Maybe there's some of us here tonight who have made wrong choices. You're a Christian and you know that you are and you've made wrong choices and you're away from God right now. You're in Moab. You haven't made it right yet. But God is saying, here's the light. Come come home. Come on home. Maybe you need to make that right with God tonight. A choice that you know that you've made. You don't need to say it out loud, but you know you have. And nobody can tell you that you haven't because you have. Make it right with God. Come home to God. And maybe there's someone in here who's never been home. You've never known what it's like to know that love of God. You've never been saved before. Make that decision today to put your faith in Jesus for your salvation.